Today, government policy makes households pay through the nose for energy. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Welcome to this post covering finance and property news. Well, the latest forward view of Australian wholesale energy prices out to 2027 shows that prices for East Coast consumption will remain at nosebleed levels. And that's according to data from the Australian energy market. Now, there's a reason for this in that the marginal wholesale power prices are remarkably set based on the costs of gas via LNG in the international markets. And this will become ever more of a problem as coal-fired generation has retired across Australia. Governments of various flavours have messed up here from a policy perspective in that a small number of international operators are the Australian gas cartel. They include Santos, Woodside, Origin, Shell, Exxon and a few others. Now, the government's latest solution to the high price of power has been to set a policy price cap of $12 a gigajoule in the domestic market. And that means that cartel members can't charge more than that, but they can gain exemptions if they, for example, invest in new gas projects. That $12 cap was set after receiving warnings from Treasury that energy prices were set to soar by about 50% over 2023 and into 2024. As a result of the intervention, power prices reduced by an estimated $230 a year, which, by the way, is mere chicken feed, given that the massive run-up in prices, with estimates that bills could rise by $700, by the middle of 2024 compared to 2022. That's based on Treasury figures. Actually, in fact, the $12 cap is behaving pretty much as a floor in that the cartel ships more gas offshore to keep the price at $12. Now, Green's leader, Adam Band, argued that the code sends exactly the wrong message about the future of gas you get an exemption from provisions of this code if you open new gas fields up, he said. That is not the way to tackle the energy and climate problem that the country is facing. There is plenty of gas in Australia, but Labour is sending a lot of it offshore. But in other words, the global LNG market determines the local price of electricity. A parable would be, well, if Dubai motorists paid the global oil price for petrol in their cars, which is never going to happen. Now, a really nasty example of this was in playing Queensland this week, where the Australian energy market operator warned that it had a lack of reserve electricity generation to meet record high demand in Queensland amid hot and humid weather. AEMO said that demand for electricity in Queensland hit a record high on Monday afternoon. The state's High penetration of rooftop solar will mean the grid has ample source of electricity for much of the day, but they said that it was about 400 megawatts shy of sufficient reserves during the evening peak when solar generation will rapidly subside. Now, gas kicked in to assist, but the price was sent through the roof, rising to around 
$10,000 per megawatt hour. Now, perhaps this is poetic justice. In a state that has the deepest and cheapest terrestrial gas reserves on the Australian continent, but has sold them all to the export cartel that then sends most of it to China. Actually, Queensland digs up its gas for less than $1 per kilojoule, but is paying $12 per kilojoule. And of course, every time there's a heat wave, it breaks its grid. Now, so now let's look at the global LNG story. The final quarter of 2023 saw the combined fleet and order book of large LNG ships pass the symbolic 1,000 vessel milestone for the first time. But more significantly, as the new year started, the LNG fleet has transitioned from a period of modest growth to a period of rapid growth. Since April 2021, an unprecedented 314 large LNG ships have been contracted, taking the capacity on order to just over 50% of the capacity of the current fleet. Until now, this ordering spree has yet to be felt in delivery levels to the fleet, with over the last two years an average of seven and a half new ships added to the fleet each quarter. But this is about to change with an average of 20 ships to be delivered every quarter over the next three years. And the latest data shows that in January, the proportion of LNG exports taking the longer route round the Cape of Good Hope has remained high, due not only to shipping attacks in the Red Sea, but also the drought-related restrictions at the Panama Canal. And in fact, of course, the US has become one of the largest producers of LNG, and out of the total US exports of about 4.55 million, 280,000 went through the Panama Canal, while 530 took the Cape route. None went via the Suez Canal, which normally serves as one of the main alternative routes to Asia when the Panama Canal is otherwise unfavourable. The longer voyages could tighten vessel availability in the coming weeks, but for now, freight rates have been cushioned due to current prices disincentivizing arbitrage and ample vessel supply, with rates to Japan and Korea at the lowest levels since June. Through 2023, China and South Asia recovered around 50% of the demand drop for the year before, while Southeast Asia continues its structural demand growth. Japanese and Korean demand, however, continues to head in the opposite direction as a combination of reduced overall electricity demand, lower industrial consumption, and the return of nuclear plants have stymied gas demand. In fact, today the US has gas at $3 per gigajoule because it has domestic reservations. Europe has little gas, but it can get it at just over $11 per gigajoule, whilst North Asia has even less gas but can buy it for around $12.50 per gigajoule. And LNG cargo has been secured in Asia for April delivery at about $13 a gigajoule at the moment, and in Europe, you can buy a cargo for about $11 per gigajoule. In fact, 2024 so far has seen global gas prices continue their downward trajectory with benchmarks reaching as low as $10 per gigajoule. 
despite those ongoing canal transit issues. And on the question of benchmarks, it's also worth noting that there are several important ones to consider. One important one was established by S&P Global Platts in 2009. It's called the Japan Korea Marker or the JKM. And it's a benchmark price that reflects the spot market value of liquefied natural gas carried and delivered ex-ship in Japan, South Korea, China and Taiwan. Another is called the TFF, the Tidal Transfer Facility, and that's a virtual transfer point within the Gasine Transport Services National Gas Transport Network. This is effectively a network point where market participants can transfer gas that's already been present in the system. It's called entry paid gas to another party. And another is the Henry Hub, which is a very active trading hub with a large number of participants buying and selling natural gas. By the way, the TFF, on the other hand, is a less active market with fewer participants and lower volumes of trade. Now, this northern winter, European storage levels have remained significantly elevated, overshadowing incremental weather driven demand by the first half of January as Europe went through a cold snap. And TFF prices have dropped towards the bottom of the European coal to gas switching range, meaning further Asian demand flexibility is set to be required to clear global gas markets. All of this means that China at the moment can often on-sell gas to Europe at a healthy profit, and it's still seeing cheaper gas prices there than in Australia. Now, the solution, of course, is for the government to increase the local reservation and reduce the price cap, which is effectively, as I say, a floor. But that would bring them up against the political and economic power of the gas cartel. So the bottom line is that Australian East Coast households are being taken to the cleaners. And one reason why the cost of living are so high, while local manufacturers are being priced out and, of course, reducing the capacity for broader local economic production. Which all begs the question, is this state simple stupidity or something much worse? Who really are pulling the economic strings in the country? And is there a game of mates, anyone? I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching and I'll see you again next time.